Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome, all you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 170. First of all, apologies for missing the podcast last week. Sometimes real life gets in the way of fantasy life, has happened with me last week. I think some of y'all know that I'm a pastor in our church. Um, actually moved into a new building this last uh, weekend. And so it was a very busy week of moving and got me behind and I, my fantasy life had to take a side to my real life. <laughs> but glad to be back with you this week and talking a little bit of strategy and dynasty. That's what we're going to do here on this episode. You know, that uh, 12 NFL teams spent the week preparing for what they call now the super wild card weekend. Um, I spent the week and really the last two weeks uh, kind of setting my lineups for my playoff cha- challenge leagues that I'm in, some playoff leagues. But really, I've taken you know, those few weeks just to take an honest look at my dynasty season. It's something that I do every time uh, at this year, this time of year. Um, I look back at the NFL and the whole dynasty season as a whole, and I try to take note of things to remember for future seasons. Um, I also look at what things I did you know, this last season to improve my teams or even to hurt my teams, something that I can learn from. you got to learn from your successes and your mistakes. Um, there's plenty of both in this season for me. So after reflecting on the whole uh, 2021 season over the last few weeks, here's going to be today 10 things that I want to remember, uh, 10 things that I did uh, this year or didn't do this year that I want to remember. Uh, first is this, uh, holding on to first-round draft picks. I think one of the most significant things that I've noticed about my teams is that most of my teams are getting much older, um, and that's one reason you know, one reason why, you know, I'm willing, I'm very willing to trade away first round draft picks uh, normally. And I still do believe that first round picks are never as sure as people think, especially mine, since, you know, most of our leagues I'm finishing the back, you know, usually like a top third team. And so we're talking about picks, you know, eight through 12 or something like that. And first round picks, you know, are hit and miss. However, I had to really face the fact that most of my teams are getting older. And so, um, if I'm going to do that, I need to not trade away my first round picks. And this year, for the first time ever, I did not trade away a single first round pick in all of my leagues. That's the first time I can ever remember doing that. I'm not saying this is going to become a permanent strategy for me, but it's the path that I need to take right now on my teams, particularly the ones that are really growing much older. And I have a lot of teams that are older and they've you know just been perpetually just getting second round picks instead of first round picks. And often those second round picks don't hit just like the first round picks don't. And so um, this is going to be fun this year as I go into the 2022 rookie draft season, knowing that I actually have a first-round pick in all of my leagues, which I'm excited about. And it's something that I really just decided before the season that I really had to do to get younger. Second thing uh, that I learned this year is I think that I need to bail on bad teams sooner. I need to learn to bail on my team sooner in future seasons uh, because anything can happen in the Dynasty playoffs. I actually am very prone to fight for that, you know, to the very end for that last, you know, playoff spot in each league. And this year I noticed uh, that by that point of the season, the trade deadline had passed and some of my leagues, um, or worse, the top tier teams had already made all the trades that they needed to improve their teams, making it less likely for me to win, even if I got the sixth seed and got, you know, into the playoffs uh, because of the trades other teams made, I probably wouldn't have won anyway. And so I realized I just need to bail on, on teams a little bit earlier. 
I did bail on one team early uh, this season, actually selling some really great players, including Travis Kelsey, uh, for a first-round pick, among other things. And uh, that guy ended up actually winning the championship uh, on the back of the players that I traded him. Um, I got younger in this trade, uh, got a first-round draft pick. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And I ended up the season, you know, the second-worst team in the league, so I'm going to have pick 1.2 in the rookie draft. Um, I'm happy with that. But in the two other leagues, I think I waited too long for my teams by doing so. In one of those leagues, um, the contending team had already traded away their first and second round picks, all of the contending teams had, and so I just couldn't find a reasonable trade offer because I was too late to the game uh, before really bailing on my team. And then another league, uh, just before as the season was ending, nearing its end, I traded away a second round pick for Devontae Freeman thinking he might be the player that could help me battle for that last playoff spot, but then when it became apparent that I wasn't going to be able to make the last spot, I had to bail again, and I bailed too late. I was at least able to trade Devonta Freeman back to another team that made the playoffs for Robert Woods, which I'm happy about that trade, but I would really prefer to have my second-round pick back in that league. And so I think I need to you know, make a decision sooner as to whether I'm going to bail on my team. That's, a, that's one way that I can improve. Third thing is uh, I'll call it buying back years. Um, since most of my teams are getting older, uh, like I said already, um, I attempted to buy back years on several trades to try to get younger, meaning I traded away more productive older players to try to get younger players that I believe are on the rise. And I think it worked out well for me so far. It's something that I'm going to attempt to do in future seasons as well, especially if you know next season I see that these types of trade actually really paid off for me. For instance, I traded DeAndre Hopkins uh, for T. Higgins straight up um, at the midseason stretch when Higgins was actually not producing very well. And uh, that trade bought, bought me back seven years meaning the seven-year difference between Higgins and Hopkins. And that already looks like a winner for me, the way that Higgins came out at the end of the year and Hopkins was hurt at the end of the year. Um, I also, um, in the trade that I talked about just before, the, the league that I bailed on, I can give you the contents of that trade right now. Um, I traded Travis Kelsey, Tom Brady, and Cordero Patterson uh, for Pat Fryermuth, Dak Prescott, and a first-round pick. And so I definitely gave up a lot, uh, but I got younger. I got you know, Frymuth is nine years younger than Kelsey. Prescott is 16 younger, years younger than Brady. And then my first, my future uh, first-round pick will be eight or nine years younger than Patterson. And so I definitely gave up a lot um, to, to get let that team actually cherry, carry my players to the championship with Brady and Kelsey he did. Anyway, Cordell Patterson sputtered off and didn't help him much. But I got younger uh, at the tight end position, the quarterback position, and I'm getting a first-round draft pick, which is going to be a lot younger than, I believe, the 29-year-old Cordero Patterson. And then I even made another trade. I traded Christian McCaffrey for Elijah Mitchell, Rashad Bateman, and a second-round pick. And so Mitchell is only two years younger than McCaffrey, so not a big difference there. But adding Bateman in what's going to end up being the 2.2 pick is really going to make my team much younger in that league. So Tom's going to tell those last two trades for sure, but if they hit, that's something I'm going to aim to do, buying back years uh, for younger players. Next thing I'll say is uh, I learned was running back by committee. It's the new normal. Uh, This season was one of the least productive by running backs in fantasy football in years. I mean, I believe it's because there's so many RBBC backfields in the NFL. I think this trend continues. It's just going to continue, and it leads me to change kind of my team-building strategy in one of two ways. So one way is by making sure that I have at least one bell cow running back, uh, even better if I can have two of them on my team. There were only eight running backs in the NFL this year that averaged 20 touches per game this season, and those are definitely the best running backs to roster. They were among the highest scoring in, in uh, you know, points per game. 
teams that rostered two of these backs in the fantasy teams that rostered two of these backs played in a lot of championships this season. I saw it for sure. So that's one strategy. The other strategy, though, to employ is uh, if you don't have more than one 20, you know, 20 touch running back, um, it's just to go wide receiver heavy. And at all your flex positions, make sure that you're starting, you know, uh, wide receivers. And then the thing I like about it, particularly in a PPR league like this, is then you can just have your second running back just be one that's the one that's really involved in the passing game. In PPR, you know, leagues like this, I like to roster teams like this. Um, even if, you know, I don't have the bell cow running backs, uh, starting a lot of wide receivers in a PPR league and making sure at least one of my running backs is the passing down back is a real viable strategy. Running back by committee in the NFLs is, you know, the new normal. And so if you don't have one of those bell cow backs, you got to make some, make some changes to your strategies. Next observation I'll say is uh, older free agent running backs still have it. Uh, two of the biggest surprises, I think, this entire season were Leonard Fournette and James Conner. Uh, finishing seventh and fifth in scoring in scoring for running backs, even after both missed some time with injuries, which is incredible. Uh, it's hard to believe that Fournette continued his you know 2020 end of the year Super Bowl tear that he did. He, he took that momentum all the way through this season, and Tampa Bay signed him to a one-year contract, and now they have to decide you know whether this 26-year-old running back is worth signing to a multi-year deal. And James Conner, he also signed a one-year deal, and uh, had the second best season of his career fantasy-wise in Arizona. And the Cardinals, too, now they have to decide what they're going to do with their 26-year-old running back. Now, running backs almost always lose their dynasty value at age 26 and and then they, they when they sign their second contract. Uh, but these two have definitely defied the odds, and it really makes it hard to determine what their fantasy value is, as well as causes me to question, like, are there other guys like this that can do this in coming years? Um, next year's you know class of free agents include Melvin Gordon, Rashad Penny, uh, Raheem Mostert, and Sonny Michelle. Uh, those are going to be some of the top free agents that kind of fit the same category uh, that Connor and Fournette did this last year. And so those teams got to decide on Cor- Connor and Fournette, but there's also going to be these other free agents that might fit this bucket. It's something we have to think about uh, more than just thinking only young running backs can provide or only first year con- uh, running backs can first year first contract running backs can provide uh, that dynasty value. So keep an eye on those free agents. I think that we should consider them as the possibility of breaking out just like uh, Connor and Fournette did. Next thing I'll say that I learned this year is that possession wide receivers are valuable. Uh, Sometimes I do get frustrated when my wide receivers don't score touchdowns, but having a possession wide receiver, you know, on dynasty rosters, it's also very, very valuable. 11 of the season's top 24 scoring wide receivers, so almost half, 11 out of the 24, had six or fewer touchdown catches. And that's because they had either 90 catches or more, or they had over 1,000 yards receiving. And I really like having those possession receivers on my lineups, uh, even if they don't score touchdowns, because they're less dependent on the touchdowns, too, to help my team. So they provide that reliable production floor. Uh, For instance, Keenan Allen, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, they're some of my most rostered players that I have. I'm super pleased now that I have a Monroe St. Brown on many of my teams this year. And I'm sad that I passed on Jalen Waddle, who also has just become that possession receiver. Uh, and I missed him, him in all rookie drafts because I did have him ranked much lower than other analysts. Uh, Waddle was by far my biggest miss in the 2021 rookie class. Uh, I definitely missed on him. I love the possession receivers. They really do help your fantasy teams, even though they don't score touchdowns like we'd like. Next observation was I'll call third-year breakouts are still a thing. So y'all remember that like a decade ago, it was, you know, talked about as the third-year breakout trend. That was like a thing, especially among wide receivers. It was thought to be a trend. 
Uh, might be less so than a decade. We definitely have rookies that just smash this in their first year, uh, as evidenced by several uh, this year. But it still does happen. Sometimes the third-year players really do come in and make a difference. And I can point out one from each of the different positions. Uh, Debo Samuel, he had a third-year breakout of all breakouts this season, finishing the season just behind Cooper Cup and points scored. Uh, he showed promise at the end of his rookie season, battle with injuries, but you know definitely took his play to an entirely new level in season three as a wide receiver. There's also Damian Harris. Uh, he's a third-year breakout in New England, uh, finishing the season 13th among running backs after scoring 15 touchdowns. Uh, he more than doubled his fantasy production in years one and two combined, so he had a definite year three breakout. And at the tight end position, I'd say Dawson Knox. He was a third-year breakout tight end, finishing as the eighth-highest scoring tight end after being you know, the most targeted player in the red zone among all players this um, among all positions this season. Sometimes it does just take time for players to adjust to the NFL and play up to their talent level, and these are certainly three who did this last year in this third-year breakout season. Uh, this offseason, I want to pay attention to players who may have a third-year breakout season coming next year. Players like A.J. Dillon, J.K. Dobbins, Jerry Judy, LaVisca Chenault, Adam Troutman. Those are some of the ones that I think are capable of having that third-year breakout as well. A couple more here. I think I got three more. Uh, one here is the pocket passers are underrated. Uh, for the last few years, running backs were thought, uh, running quarterbacks rather, were thought to have the excellent dynasty value, more dynasty value than uh, pocket passers, just because of the quote cheat code that they're able to rack up the fantasy points on the ground, right? Well, this year, seven of the 12 highest scoring quarterbacks did not run for more than 300 yards, and 17 of the top 24 did not. Pocket passers are underrated, and I don't feel the need uh, to have a cheat code quarterback on my rosters. Um, I actually only have two running quarterbacks on my rosters, Josh Allen, who's definitely a running quarterback, and then I have Justin Herbert in several leagues. Um, and Herbert barely counts because he just ran for 302 yards. That's where I set the threshold of a running quarterback is 300 yards. He had 302, so you can actually say he's not really a running back. And you look at him and look at his play, and you wouldn't call him that uh, either. Uh, for a long time, I've believed that cheat code quarterbacks are really overrated because they're li more likely to get injured. And we saw that this year, at least with Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Um, I'm perfectly content to fill my roster with pocket pastors, and I think I'm going to continue uh, to do so. I still think that they can be um, among the best quarterbacks fantasy-wise in the league as they were this year. Like I said, seven of the top 12 uh, were pocket passers. Two more for you here. Uh, ninth thing that I considered that I learned this year that I'm going to continue is uh, the hidden value of charting snaps, uh, targets, and touches. So three statistic, three of the statistics that I paid more attention to this season were snaps, targets, and touches. So on Monday mornings, I would go to lineups.com and quickly review the trends on each team, particularly the snap, target, and touch trends. I found them to be most helpful in determining which players were ascending or descending in their usage. Uh, the season carried on, I could spot kind of reflection, reflection points on many teams when one positional player surpassed another on their team. And being ahead of the curve on these stats really allowed me to buy low or sell high on some players and helped me make some start-sit decisions in DFS lineups, as well as in some of my deep dynasty leagues. Uh, I also use the knowledge uh, that I attained by viewing these stats each week uh, to find players on the waiver wire uh, before they broke out, uh, even if they were just kind of back back you know back into the roster you know type of guys uh, for instance I picked up the following players this season uh, after seeing their snaps targets and touches increase uh, Ashton Doolin Josh Reynolds and Brevin Jordan were three of the ones that I can think of this year 
I think these stats just give me a slight edge, you know, among my among my league mates. Uh, so I'm going to maintain this Monday morning data dive, you know, every season going forward. Last thing that I'll say here, something that I learned from this 2021 season, is that I'm going to pay more attention to player contracts. Uh, this year, I often visited Spotrack.com uh, to check player contracts because it really is valuable information in Dynasty in particular. Um, I always look at player contracts when making a trade or responding to a trade offer. Always do that. Uh, but I'm sure that most managers don't. Uh, player's contract uh, really can be the difference um, you know, between you know accepting or rejecting a trade. It can be a sneaky way to offer trades too. Um, if you want to be sneaky, offering someone a trade, someone that you know is in the final year of their contract, that they might not think uh, to look that up themselves. Um, it's one small way. Uh, to just get a little bit more security by adding a player that has a longer contract. That is, um, unless you are eager to get a player who could benefit from getting into you know free agency. Player contracts mean a lot in Dynasty Leagues, and so I like to know the contract status of all the players, at least the ones that are on my rosters. I can't, I can't know everybody's, you know, but at least the ones that are on my roster. I'm going to continue to use uh, Spotrack in all my Dynasty Leagues just to stay on top of player contracts. Um, a little hidden way to get um, a head up, you know, just get a you know, little bit ahead of the knowledge of your other league mates. All right, those are 10 observations, you know, from this very difficult year for me. I told you it was my worst year in some time. I can't believe I didn't play in one Super Bowl, but we have bad years like that. That's why we got to take a look, make an honest assessment of our teams and our strategies and try to make the changes that we need to do because Dynasty Freaks were involved all year round. Speaking of which, hope that being involved all year round, that you will give a, a rate and review to this podcast so that you can make the little little podcast here, um, make some uh, headway and get some new followers. That's going to be a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. I'd enjoy making a two-way conversation anytime. You can contact me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. We'll love to check, you know, check in with you. It's a fun time of season. Hope you're enjoying your playoff fantasy uh, football if you're doing that like I am. And enjoy the playoffs. I don't because my Cowboys laid an egg and died in a terrible way on Sunday afternoon. But it's still football. We love it. Let's go out there and be Dynasty Freaks. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.